Part 1. Summary and Review Summary Bill O'Reilly and Martin Dugard have co-authored six books in The Killing series. Each of the previous five analyzes a relatively short period in the death or defeat of a significant historical figure. This book, by contrast, focuses on the defeat of an entire nation, Japan, as well as the millions of Japanese who died during the course of World War II. O'Reilly and Dugard follow the U.S. and Japan during the last year of the conflict, marshalling evidence to argue in favor of the wisdom of President Harry Truman's decision to drop atomic bombs on the cities of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. The book begins with O'Reilly, writing alone, invoking a speech given in 2001 by controversial Chicago pastor Jeremiah Wright. Wright had argued that the 9-11 terrorist attacks were divine vengeance for the decision to bomb Hiroshima, Nagasaki, and many other cities around the world. O'Reilly takes umbrage with this and claims that he and co-authored Dugard will set the record straight, proving that the bombings of those two cities was the most humane course of action. After a brief bit of introductory material describing the world situation in 1939, the authors leap forward to 1944, when the tide has already turned in the Pacific and the U.S. Marines are storming the beaches of Peleliu, an island in the Caroline Archipelago, and a strategic location for launching an invasion of the Philippines. This section sets the tone for the rest of the book. The authors alternate between focusing on individual acts of heroism, usually by U.S. soldiers, and lurid descriptions of death and devastation. Once the island is retaken, the narrative turns to General Douglas MacArthur, the commander of U.S. forces in the Pacific. The authors portray him as an intelligent but vainglorious man. Here he makes his triumphant return to the Philippines, and the authors highlight the fact that the beachmaster for the U.S. landing there refuses to let MacArthur's ship dock on the beach, forcing him to wade through the water to reach the beach. The story then returns to Vice President Harry Truman, who is introduced as a competent, if anonymous, figure. O'Reilly and Dugard discuss Truman's alleged membership in the Ku Klux Klan, which the Republican National Committee paid actress Gloria Swanson to speak about in a radio address. They note that civil rights leaders quickly quashed the rumors, ensuring that Franklin Roosevelt enjoyed a smooth path to re-election in 1944. Much of the early part of the book is devoted to establishing a basis for Japanese barbarism. The authors highlight mass killings in China, including contests in which Japanese soldiers competed to see who could behead the most Chinese. They also describe the sack of Nanking, during which 80,000 women, quote, were systematically raped, with, quote, Japanese soldiers recounting for years how much they enjoyed these acts, often perpetrated against children and grandmothers. End quote. These descriptions occupy the author's attention to the exclusion of many other details, including necessary footnotes. For example, they state that it was, quote, common for Japanese soldiers to force fathers to rape their daughters, brothers to rape their sisters, and even sons to rape their mothers. End quote. As the story develops, familiar elements coalesce to produce a dramatic conclusion. Franklin Roosevelt dies in April 1945, two months after the Yalta Conference. O'Reilly and Dugard hint that the exhausting trip to Crimea may have hastened the ailing Roosevelt's demise. 
perhaps playing into Stalin's master plan. Readers of Killing Patton might be familiar with this line of argument, given that the thesis of that book is that Joseph Stalin ordered the poisoning of General George Patton.